We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. In studio with us tonight, Mr. Nathan Pigiri. And this is your 2021-2022 Bill's season in review. Now, f- from the most parody in league history to an incredibly unlikely AFC representative in the Super Bowl, the 2021 season has been wild. It's been mm-hmm. not as expected. And one of the problems that I have with so many podcasters' approach to this thing that we do here is that the practice becomes almost equivalent to being a beat reporter. You witness, you dissect, you discuss, and then immediately have to move on and repeat the process all over again because you're trying so hard to stay at the forefront of everything. Mm-hmm. You uh, 24-hour news cycle kind of society that we live in. It's more like an eight-hour news cycle now. The, right? Demands that you're already talking about impending free agents. Mm-hmm. You're already talking... To me, what the fuck is the point of an NFL season at all? If, if you stop talking about the last game well, if five you, minutes if after. If you don't talk about what the hell you just watched, and you don't take a step back and enjoy it. If instead, the second the season ends, you're immediately looking for what's next. I mean, to me, like my, my life's not based on content creation. That's not where my livelihood comes from. Now, if you're someone who's a professional journalist, as yourself, a radio jock... Which is that term offensive? Radio jock. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, you know. Okay. So for somebody who fills those roles and does this stuff on a professional basis, I understand why you would need to do that. It's a self-preservation mechanism. Sure. At the same time, for me, giving into that urge to chase that down and constantly ride that wave is kind of like. You've done this yourself. You go out and you order a 10-ounce Japanese Wagyu. Spend a pretty penny on it. And then you woof it down like it's ground round. Because Mm. you have to get to the next thing. 
I feel like there's some value in just stopping and savoring what the hell you just had put in front of you. So in that way, every year we take a step back and we look at the season we just had. We hand out some superlatives. We talk about players, teams, things we found funny. Throw in a little pettiness just for spite's sake. And I love that we get to do it with you, one of our favorite in-studio guests. Now, for those of you, again, who live under a rock, WGR 550 host, he's a golfer, uh, enjoyer of painfully millennial food uh, trends like True. rose water glaze on donuts. Mm. You get the fuck out of mm. here. I, I want to fight you. You know what my favorite donut is? A plain fry cake. Yeah, well, you know, you have, you know, garbage as taste buds. It's... it's <laughs> You know, like you're you're just a big Mack truck. I have nuance. You, <laughs> you know, have nuance, I'm, most of which you'll hear. I'm all- like, uh, what, what, what are those uh, convertibles? The little two door coupes? Mazda Miata. I'm like a Mazda Miata. Ma- yeah, uh, Mazda Miata. Miata. I'm like a Mazda Miata. You're like a GMC Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifestyle, baby. It's a lifestyle, not a vehicle. But you're going to hear a lot about that on his Food for Thought podcast with Bruce Nolan over at uh, Buffalo Rumblings which every Friday you guys talk a little food, you talk a little mm-hmm. sports. Some of your food takes are just abominable. What, whatever happened with the eggnog? It's still right on my desk. Oh, my God. It's um, been on my desk since right around Thanksgiving. So, guys, Thanksgiving, he put eggnog. It's separated on. into three separate su- substances. Now. Go check out Food for Thought to hear how that's going. I, I, but honestly, I'll tell you this. Out of all the things that you've done, like as a guy who bailed on journalism, as a profession, I hold a degree in it, yet I never followed it. I decided to be a bean counter. Sure. I, you're a radio professional. You get to rub elbows with a lot of different people. You get a lot of cool experiences. I'm not jealous of any of that. I sure as hell wasn't jealous of your mustache. No, the thing huh. I'm jealous of you about is a tweet I saw from you the other day where you got to drink 10-year-old uh, Rip Van Winkle whiskey. Yeah. I want to hear more about that. What, what was that like? It was, it was great. I enjoy it. How, I, how did it? How, where, where is this place? So, where I where was I? Yeah, um, Hartman's Distillery, uh, Distillery downtown, okay. uh, Chicago Street. It's, I've got a bottle of their rye in my. Collection. I'm not a rye guy, but I, I have their uh, small batch bourbon, and they've got a bourbon that is still that's like three years from being released that I'm really excited about. So they've got their normal bar, super cool. But if you call ahead and book a reservation you can book a reservation into their speakeasy which is behind it's like their barrel room so it's a small i'd say there's probably eight seats at the bar and another 15 12 seats of like booth seating um and it's like a traditional old school um speakeasy and they have 200 kinds of bourbon um, I mean, I, that, I, the, the rip that I got, I mean, there was, there was a 25 year pappy up there. Um, but it was like, you know, it was like $90 for a two ounce pour. So I was like, I'll no, Yes. Cause I, the, the rip and winkle that I had was like a thir- $45 pour for two ounces. I was like, all right, I kind of, I'm going to enjoy it. And I love rip and like, let's have a good time. Like I'm here. Um, but you know, like. I usually wait until some until my buddy James Roberts, who owns like Debutsu and Tutan, who has like some of the best <laughs> bourbon this side of the Mississippi. Um, like you know, he'll be like, "Hey, check out this nipper." Oh, by the way, it's 123 proof, and you're like, "Woohoo!" You know, but so, I squeaked there, I think, a little bit. You did, and it's hilarious, and we're keeping that in the podcast. Um, I so I, I saw that, and I couldn't help but be a little bit jealous. Like I, Chris FOMO, 
is a thing that the, you're missing out. That yep. These millennials talk about. Yeah. I have never once browsed the Internet and like looked at someone else's life and gone, man, I'm jealous of what they're doing. Because I genuinely don't care. I, like That's one of the beauties of being a narcissist. The sure. stuff just all washes over me. That got me. You with that Pappy Van Winkle in that glass, that got me. I was jealous, sir. So you accomplished something that no one else has been able to do in 36 years of my life. Congratulations. I appreciate that. It's about so, time. So now we're sitting here. This? Am I allowed to try this? And now? we have a glass in front of us. Chris, this is a cocktail podcast, folks. Yeah. Chris, what did you chef up? For our guest and I. Well, whiskey sour? No, they're not whiskey sours, but uh, if you will uh, drink them, and I will tell you about Cheers. them. Hopefully you like them. They were made with the Basil Hayden that Drew brought over. <clears throat> uh, it's a little limey. It's lovely. It's almost like a... It, it's got the uh, f- almost sour of a gimlet, but it's creamy. And I do, we, we've already talked about how I put water on cereal. Yeah, we know, I, we know I, you're not a huge cream fan. I feel like... Cold, creamy beverages are disgusting, but this is actually pretty good. It is basil Hayden, lemon juice, sweet vermouth, simple syrup, and an egg white. Mm-hmm. The egg, egg white. white? I, I knew the egg white was You good. put egg in my whiskey? Yeah. The, <sighs> now, if it wasn't so good, I'd come across this table so fast. No, I, the, re- the reason I asked if it was a whiskey sour is because... Like, the, you can tell you that really, there's the egg white. You really do. The, I... I it's not my favorite, but if it's like if it's a good bar and they have like a special cocktail where they've got like the egg, because it really does froth it up. And in the alcohol, if I'm not mistaken, it's like uh, the, the effect of it foaming up. So it's it's not like eating a raw egg. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like I, oh, I, I forget the, it. I, I just forget the I forget the scientific process. It's very scientific. Scientific. Forgive me if I'm being crazy, but I, I guess my alcohol. This is where Chris and I are different. My whiskey consumption. And I mean, I I've had my whiskeys. Is usually pretty simple. It's glass, ice, whiskey, or no ice. Just glass and whiskey. Neat, neater uh, on the rocks. I, I I enjoy neat, but like you, Sip. like you don't enjoy cold, creamy beverages. Yeah. I have this thing where room temperature anything. That's why I'm not a big wine drinker. I the idea of room temperature liquid hitting my lips that's why i think the british are crazy like. yeah oh that's, God, that's right we're, beer? that's right we're all we're talking about you and your kin you and your your room temperature beer drinking brethren you guys are it's yeah, nonsense stupid. It's yeah stupid. So, well, this go, good job here this like go that. this goes into our year in review because the name of this con- cocktail is where buffalo should be headed it's called los angeles <sighs> is the name of this cocktail so that's where we should be. We all know. You know, though, and, and I appreciate Drew was like, you know, uh, why, why did we just glaze over this game? Everyone talk about the future in the offseason. It's like kind of like, you know, being at uh, like speaking at your family, like uh, your cousin's graduation party. I know everyone here is talking about the future and talking about how great you're going to be in college and growing into a young adult. But I want to spend a couple of minutes telling everybody what a piece of shit you were for the last 15 years. <laughs> Let's re let's relive what an asshole you've been your entire life. Listen, you know, just, like that's, just wait until my kids graduate from high school. Right, it's going to turn depending into the roast on, of Drew's kids. Depending on their attitude, I'm not ruling that out. So what I want you to do, Chris, this cocktail was delicious. I've already finished mine. I encourage our I'm listeners to enjoy mine. And sip it. Fill your hands and join us as we all just take a look at the season we we enjoyed. 
and look, as we hand out some season superlatives and just discuss all of the things that took place. Now, first of all, I want to warm up, right? You, you sure. got to get loose. You got to warm up a little bit. Let's start with some non-Bills topics. Okay. Like that. The petty little warm-up of sorts. Biggest flop performance across the entire NFL of the 2021 football season, in your opinion. Because, I mean, every year there's players that get moved in free agency. Mm -hmm. Every year there's a guy who gets drafted that everyone goes, oh, my God, just wait till you see him. There's the team that everyone says, well, they changed scheme from this to this. So not only is this player going to pop, but this team is taking the next step. And they fall directly onto their stupid faces. (laughs) Who fits that criteria most in your head when I ask that question? Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah, your boy. Your boy. Yeah. You called him, and we have the audio of it. You calling him for MVP of the NFL. You said he would be. Yeah. Top two. Top yeah. two. Yeah. Top two. Yeah. <laughs> what is your love affair with the Browns? Sick, Sick Nate. What, what, why are you doing this to yourself? Um, I don't know what it is about the Browns. But what a disappointing season for Baker Mayfield. And, you know, like the worst case scenario will always be you don't know what your franchise quarterback is. He a franchise quarterback or isn't he? Oh, he has an injury that will affect his ability to throw the football well, but not enough to keep him out. It's like literally worst case scenario. Um, How much you put injuries on that for this year? 30%, but not enough for him to look as bad as he looked all year. We'll see. I think I do, I do think that offense, that scheme sucks. It's not for him. Uh, he needs to be in a heavy shotgun, I think like a West Coast scheme where he's throwing the ball 40, 50 times a, a, a game and it's getting the ball out at the top of his drops and he's sitting in shotgun. He's not under center trying to run a traditional NFL offense. It's just not putting Baker Mayfield in a position um, to succeed. So I, I I just don't think the fit there is, is is in Cleveland anymore. And we'll see next year if he ends up – like he's a former number one pick. He's going to have another opportunity across the league. Like he, he was good enough his rookie year to probably earn, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo type situation. Maybe. But you can't argue with the fact that he was given two of the best wide receivers in football. I mean, J- Jarvis Landry is uh, a competitor. I wouldn't say best, but he's Jarvis highly, Landry he's highly competitive. Is like oh is like a wannabe Julian Edelman. He's as good as he as he's as good as his quarterback is. And he's never had a good quarterback and he's super overrated and he's dirty. <sighs> Screw him. He is definitely not. He's not even a top five slot right now. He's not even the top 15 slot receiver. I could probably name 15 top slot receiver I'd rather have. Odell Beckham? Yeah. He he sucked the life out of Odell Beckham. There's no doubt about that. But Landry sucks. When Odell Beckham went to the, I tell, Von Miller I would and was tell, like, do not come here. I would tell Landry to his face that he sucks at football. <laughs> well, I'll never forgive him for the cheap I, I, shot he put on Aaron Williams. Yeah, I know. I, but I, Chris, I, you were I at my house that day. There was a day we watched that game together. Me, him, and my wife. I had a cold, so I told him, I go, listen, today's the day I'm not drinking. I'm literally going to just drink hot tea with no alcohol in it, and I'm going to watch a football game. Mm. And you, me, and my wife are going to do this together. We're going to eat pizza and wings. It'll be a fun Sunday afternoon of me having a cold. He has a gif of me at the end of that game drinking spiced rum, a handle of spiced rum, directly out of the bottle. I'm holding it. You're a father now, Drew. I'm holding it with my entire hand through the handle of this thing, and I'm drinking it out of the bottle and yelling at the TV. He goes, that's what happened after he put that cheap shot on Aaron Williams. Jarvis Landry, I'll see him in hell. Yeah, you will. I will see him in hell. 
But he had Early talent. Gates. He had talent, and he didn't utilize it well enough. Austin Hooper. He was really good, and then now he's not. You know. <laughs> okay, here's what I know. That's a good one. Okay. It's a real good one. I think I have a better one, and it's a little more topical to the AFC East, and that's Patriots tight end Jonu Smith. $16 million in cash spent for 2021. He's got a $13 million cap hit for 2022. As the guy who took him on multiple fantasy teams, at, at, at the beha- like, like I want to pull a Karen and demand to speak to the manager of fantasy football Twitter. I want to talk to the manager of whoever told me that this guy should be taken even at all in fantasy football this year. Because the reality is, for a guy who got paid the way he got paid, what, less than 350 total scrimmage yards, one total touchdown, 17 total first downs, both as a runner and a passer, and oh, by the way, the offensive coordinator who thought that he could unlock the potential of Mac Jones in this 12 personnel set, hey, Bill, go spend a bunch of money on a two tight end set mm-hmm. full of elite players that I can then utilize to help our young quarterback find his footing in the NFL. He jumped ship! He's gone! He's, he's out. He's out! He literally ran away for greener pastures. I mean, well, I don't know if Vegas has yeah. any greener pastures. There's they definitely have cheaper rubber tug, rubbing tugs than they anything do. Robert Kraft was going to. That's right. <laughs> and and that, that that was that was like in Boynton Beach too. But the reality is is that that guy's gone, right? So now somebody else has to step up and salvage this offensive thing that New England's built and they've got this giant anchor on their payroll in the form of Jonu Smith that they can't figure out how to use. Then now they got to try to find somebody else to figure out how to use. Did he just stop being a good football player or was he is he still good and they just mismanage him? Uh the same issues that were happening in Tennessee are happening with him now. I just don't think he's a traditional hand in the ground tight end. I think more than likely, wow, that's that is tall. Uh more than likely, I think he's maybe a little bit of a gimmick. You know, like he's a great athlete, but he'll never really be a traditional tight end or be in that role. And I think that's, you know, kind of just the skinny. And I think they way overpaid for him. Um, ultimately, I think, you know, where the Bills, I was interested in Johnny Smith for sure. Um, but I mean, I'm glad they didn't sign him. <laughs> when you see what they paid and what he did, yeah, that's an no abomination. Interest in, no interest in paying him that kind of money. Your favorite non-Bills player across the NFL in 2021. Justin Herbert. Really? Really starting to like Justin Herbert. I think he's... How like, good is the AFC going to be over the next couple? Mahomes, Allen, so Herbert. I have... Oh, shit, I have a hot take. Burrow? You have a hot take. I heard it. What is oh, it? Oh, no. He's got a... No- Give it... Or is this... Hang on, a, let, hold let on. Me, first, let me prep myself. Chris, what did you just pour me a glass of? So that is an old-fashioned, and instead of, like, standard bitters, I used a Creole bitter. So they're like a spicy bitter. Look at this. Look at the. This is the podcaster that I get to work with every single week, Nate. Do you get treated like this at WGR? Hmm. Yeah. What do you think about them apples? I love the way you're looking at Chris across <laughs> this table. I like those bitters. I, you know, I've never. I got them for Christmas. I've never opened them. 
I know Drew likes. Drew would eat a whole Reaper oh, pepper. Oh, that is a great. You know what, Chris? You've outdone yourself. <laughs> and this is my thing. You work at a professional radio station. Yeah, what I get to do, I get to do this. Yeah, I still have some of the best equipment that money can buy. And yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I got a guy who can chef up cocktails like this. Why Seriously, would I do you have else? lighting that that makes you look presentable? So like that, <laughs> you're rich. If it can, dude. If it can, can we not? Can we not go off the pat? You just said, "Is this a secret?" Oh, I, yeah, no, I have is a hot it, take. Is this a Seagram's hot take? It could be. Yeah. Oh you, boy, here, rip it, rip it, baby. What? Come on. I don't think that uh, that Joe Burrow and the Bengals will ever get back to another Super Bowl. I think this will be their only. So you think this is a Marino situation? I think what it is is Joe's really good, and I think he's at a ceiling right now um, in the NFL just based on his tools. And the other quarterbacks in the AFC. His fashion says otherwise. Mahomes, <laughs> Herbert, and Allen, to me, are sort of your big three. And I get it, Burrow's there before any of those, before Allen and Herbert. But largely. They probably had the most favorable playoff schedule of any team. Yes. Yes. The they Titans also ever, everyone knew the Titans were a flop. They also benefited from an absolute choke job from the Chiefs. I Dude. mean, just a, a choke job of royal standard. 55 yards Hate in the this. second half for I'll tell you what, as someone who didn't watch a stitch of football on Championship Sunday, my wife is yelling out the window to me as I'm grilling my uh, two-and-a-half-pound ribeyes on the grill that we were talking about off air. Yeah, I cooked, and I did two of them, even though my wife only, even pregnant, even well, 10 weeks shy of giving birth, beef. 10 weeks shy of giving birth, she still only weighs like 128 pounds. I somehow thought it was necessary to cook two, two and a half pounds. Listen, when I cook steak, <laughs> when I cook steak, I like to cook steak for 15 people. Yes! Because here's the thing, if you know, you know what it. a perfectly cooked medium rare ribeye does for the, for the next three or four days? Just provides the most unbelievable omelets you'll ever have. Thank you. So w- w- we're resourceful. The, the beef does not go to waste. And, and I'm drinking whiskey because my beers keep freezing because it's so cold outside. But I'm grilling this thing and I'm out there. I got my music going. I'm having a great day. I just painted a bathroom and w- <laughs> I watched no football that Sunday. And she's yelling out the window to me. The game is tied. Oh, my God. It's going to go to overtime. Are you sure you don't want to watch this? And I was like, honey. I'm in my happy place right now. I wish that I you have, would. I have seared meat. I, I, I can smell beef cooking. I've got good music. I've got whiskey. Don't 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 rock the boat. <laughs> Just don't let this it. happen. Don't ruin this. The fact that the Chiefs allowed that to happen is more of a. It's an indictment. They should have won by thirty. Well, it's an indictment of them and the fact that your offense can be stopped. Kind of like what we said at the Eli Apple. And Chidobi Awuzi are the defensive backs who yeah. are stopping your door. What? Those are the guys who Mahomes, are stopping you? Oh, you're Mahomes not Mahomes chased that missed opportunity at the end of the first half. Ugh. The rest of the game. I mean, just some of the most boneheaded extending plays and trying to make a perfect pass instead of just doing. He did what he did early in the season. He did what he did in the first matchup against the Bills. So, so you think that this is... This is the ceiling for this. The Bengals for Burrow for, for Burrow, yeah. And you and like and and you love Herbert. Burrow has not had a good playoff. Okay, but so Herbert. So your Herbert love stems from this idea that he's going to rival Mahomes for that division for the yeah. And you know Herbert Allen and Mahomes will each probably win a couple of MVPs. Like they're just that good. And like I I think Herbert is probably going to be a very similar 
level of player that Josh Allen is, just without maybe some of the um, so, some of some, some of the of running. running. But he can, and when he does. He's very he picks his spots. Yeah, he, he does pick his right. spots. But he they're not gonna have a design run game around him and he's yet to prove that like week in and week out, which you know, listen, I mean, I, I think that a lot of us might look at what's next for Josh Allen is how do you reduce the variance? How can you get more consistent down to down, drive to drive, game to game consistency from Josh Allen and not see that variance as much? And I think with age and with, you know, experience that will come. And I think the same thing with Herbert. Herbert's arm talent to me. To me, it is Allen, Herbert, Mahomes in that order for most arm, like like the wow. most talented arm in the NFL. All right, I, I between Allen and Herbert, the league has never seen two throwers of the football like Herbert and Allen. They just have not. That's fair. And well, I think it's like for having me, two Elways. For me, it well, was, you had Elway Marino. It was a real bummer True. that the Chargers didn't make the playoffs. I'm happy they didn't because I I did not want to face them in the first round. No, that, that would have been that. an ugly matchup. But just wouldn't have been a good one. I just they they their defense was so bad this year, but they have so many good blue chip players that you just don't want to risk that. Like when you get into a game situation in a one game playoff, and a defense has been playing terrible all year that has Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Chris Harris. Like they can all get the, hot you for get one down, game, right? You can get good for one game. So like that to me is that was always why I didn't want to play them. But I kind of like keep the Bills defense them, did in the wild card round. They have the what they are going to need to do, and what we saw McDermott and Bean do which was create the foundation and then bring the building blocks in. Brandon Staley walked into a foundation that was probably better than any situation in football. Joey Bosa. You had already had Justin Herbert there. You had Eckler. You had the receivers, Mike Williams and, um, and Keenan Allen. You had Derwin James. Like You had these, what, what is very rare in the NFL to walk into a situation as a new head coach and have five top four or five players in each of their positions. And that's what he walked into. And... Then he uh, eliminated the punt and kicking game, and I, which I think I, I know at times this year came back and bit him a little bit. But I think more times than not, his the way that Brandon Staley calls a game in those situations, he's going to win a Super Bowl because of that. So ultimately, where I'm coming down to is, I love Burrow. Burrow probably could win an MVP. Um, I don't ever think his supporting cast will be as good as it was this year. And on top of that. He re- like he's going to have to play better in the future in the playoffs. He did not they got they got very lucky. They scored 19, 19 points. points against Tennessee. They scored no, they scored 19 points against the Raiders. Yep. 20 no teens was it teens against 1916. Uh, so it was 19 both games. Yep. There's two games. And then they That's scored, why I thought we could beat them if we had them the in here. Then they beat the Chiefs with 27. That's my point. I thought we had a chance if we could get them here. If you now, if you said for my taste, ten though, times out of ten, you play the Chiefs and you score twenty seven points. How many times you win in against the Chiefs once? Yeah, probably once. So for me, my money, I wanted this. What about ho- your money? I wanted this home playoff game specifically so I could see my favorite player of the entire season, Shamar Chase. Oh, okay. Okay, combined with him, combined with Cooper Cup, won me a ton of money in my fantasy league this year. I'm talking like uh, more than a number with a comma in it. By the way, I've I've told this story already, so I'm not breaking anything on here. So um, I hit a uh, a nine leg parlay uh, during the really uh, during the it was just the Bills uh, Chiefs game, and the ninth leg was a Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. Ah, uh, five dollars, 
wins twenty five hundred. Talk about like talk about conflicted yeah. when that ball was in the air. It was like, dude, I tell you that that the last play from the time the ball was released from Mahomes' hands to Travis Kelsey's like <laughs> it was like slow mo like it was just yeah. I was like I was like oh man I'm about to make bank <laughs> this sucks I would much rather lose five dollars so I watched this I watched this guy just be a stud all season and I go I want to see him live because I've I, as, as a season ticket holder I've been lucky enough to see Brady throughout his career I wanted to see this kid live and in person this season, in this season where he's just setting the world on fire. I mean, he's the only player beside Randy Moss to have more than 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns by 21 years old. He upped his college teammate, Justin Jefferson, who everyone thought was like, okay, yeah. he's the new best receiver in the league. And J- Jamar Chase made everybody forget about Justin Jefferson. He's absolutely rookie of the year. After you, the, the Mac Jones Mac was Jones. being talked about. Yeah, yeah. After after he disappeared like a fart in a hurricane, you've got this guy who's still carrying his team to playoff wins. He has three games with more than 150 yards receiving. Look at the list of Diggs had one, Hopkins had zero, Devonte Adams had one, Justin Jefferson had two, Metcalf had zero, Keenan Allen had zero. Mm. He tied with Cooper Cup for three games of more than 150 yards. Cooper Cup put on a performance for the ages. He is the offensive rookie, offensive player of the year. Yeah, he is. And this rookie might have put on a performance that's just as impressive. That's crazy to me. It's wild. I've never seen anything like this. He's a stud, man. He, and listen, I you know who I, I you know who I really like too is his teammate T Higgins. I like him a lot, too. I love the fact that people hated him. Yeah. People didn't like T. Higgins. Now look at him. Here's the thing. And there's something I want to talk to you because you're you're petty. Yes, I am. Is there any chance that they're in this position that they are going to the Super Bowl if they drafted Penny Sewell like everyone said they should have? No. Like all of draft Twitter said they should have? No. If you don't take Jamar Chase, you're not here going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No. Thank you. So draft Twitter, fantasy football Twitter. I, I would like to speak to a fucking manager. Funniest non-Bills NFL storyline. Something that just struck you as hilarious that happened in the NFL this year. So, I hate to just go so recency biased, but... The Dolphins. <laughs> That's all you have to say. The there, Dolphins. What, which yeah. one of these cameras is, uh, which one should I look at directly? Should I look That's at your one? shot. That's your shot right there, sir. <laughs> hey, Dolphins fans. Welcome to hell. <laughs> I told you you'd be here, and I said you'll never leave. And look where you are. In hell. One of my favorite off-season stories was how angry Dolphins Twitter was at you. I'm going to be in Miami next week. They're, ah! I, I, actually, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm not telling you where I'm staying. Dolphins Twitter hated you. You called their defense overrated. You turns out questioned their coaching. They were. You questioned their coaching staff. Said that they were boobs. Nah, you you literally flayed them publicly. Chad Shea? What do you mean, Chad O'Shea? He's not good. And then they came after you. Uh-huh. But that's the problem. Guys like us, 
bring receipts. That's it. Guys like us, we thrive on that. Yeah. Like, I, I eat your hate. It's like Kenny Powers. Chris, when, when the Russian in Eastbound and Down, when they kick the Russian off the mound and put Kenny Powers in, because he's like, I feed off their hate. That's I right. can harness this. La Flama Blanca. <laughs> I can harness this. Just put me in the game. That's Nate on Twitter every day. I am a little like La Flama Blanca, if you think about it. Is Chris, can we anoint him? La Flama is Blanca? It, is that his nickname now? We could do that. We're going to have to develop a Kenny Powers-esque intro for him? Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know if... Uh, I'll have to go through uh, all the seasons of Eastbound and Down and see if he talked about Cleveland. Because you got to throw <laughs> that in there, too. Oh, I'm sure there's like a there's like a backhanded Cleveland joke. You know, there's there's got, I mean, there's, he's made fun of everything else. Why not Cleveland? Be. So that's a good one. Uh, mine was Jacksonville hiring Urban Meyer, and I, I, I just play the audio from Rich Eisen. And that's why Urban Meyer was a season-line storyline arc. How will he fare as a coach in the NFL? And who knew that we now have the answer to that question heading into week 15 of the season? And the answer is colossal failure. There's no other way to put it. Or spectacular face plant. There's just no other way to put it. That he is now the first college coach to go to the NFL to not complete his first season since Bobby Petrino. And as we all know, Bobby Petrino did not finish the season due to his own choice. Although you could make the case that Urban Meyer's choices... Certainly made the bet that he is now lying and is a fired NFL head coach. Rich Eisen, Rich Eisen Show, Peacock Network. Dude, Chris, you were down in Atlanta. The Bobby Petrino fiasco. How did people take that? That was awful. I mean, <laughs> God, Bobby Petrino was shit. Could, at least he had the decency to quit. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. He, st- he stood up in front of the media, you know. Uh. I think he left. He didn't he? He Urban left. Meyer left in the in the thick of the night. Here's like the he question: just, Did anybody the Irish ex- goodbye to everybody? Did anybody expect this to go well? Uh, sure. Uh, I think a lot of people expected it to go. So, uh, maybe not, maybe a lot is is the wrong term, but there were a hundred percent people. Listen, you don't go out and bring him from Fox Studio into your organization unless you think you were, it was going to go well. I think that there was a real thought that. Urban was going to be the kind of guy that comes in and can immediately have an impact and change the culture. Yeah, because change the culture. But listen, I mean, you go back to Urban's time in college when he got to a new program, Bowling Green, from Bowling Green to Florida, and then from Florida to Ohio State. You know, yes, he left in turmoil every single time, um, except for the Bowling Green job. uh, Well, the Utah job. From Bowling Green to Utah to, to, you know, and to Florida to Ohio State. And each of those places, you know, was at a moment. uh, Utah was a program that really hadn't been on the map. He gets him to a a BCS bowl game, right? Goes to Florida. He, in his first year, you know, they win a national championship in his second year. And, yeah, he had Aaron Hernandez on his team. So I guess that's, you know, whatever. He He lives in disgrace. Then he goes to Ohio State, who will once again overlook all of these, you know, red flags about him. But... He was but, but, but he no, was taking the, over the Jim Trussell era, but the Jack- which was an era that was just ripe with with controversy and with and, and and everything else. So he, as much as he has left programs in ruins, when he walks in, 
he has been able to show that, A, not only can he steady the ship, but he can also turn a team into a winner very quickly. I think that the Jaguars just underestimated his inability to connect with, with men, with young men. With anybody. Point. With literally anybody. I mean, look at this. They, they, Peter Schrager of NFL Network talked ad nauseum about the fact that they believe so strongly in this guy that they half-assed the entire coaching search because they kind of already knew he was the guy. Yeah. They just had to make it look – they put on a dog and pony show to give it legitimacy. From the jump, this guy can't get out of his own way. Mm-hmm. He's doing – you millennials. Well, He's doing the thing when you guys tweet out, you said the quiet part loud. The, yeah, uh, that's the, what he did for – The strength the, trainer, like the first okay, thing he did. hires a guy who is radioactive in NFL circles. Correct. You hired him. And then had to fire him, and it's like the Shane Gillis thing. Saturday Night Live hires him, and then immediately he gets kicked off Saturday Night Live, and he's like, "They're like, well, he's problematic, and he said this, and he did this, and everyone goes, shouldn't you have done a little homework on that?" <laughs> and one would think admits that NFL free agency is hard. That's what he says. He goes, eh, this is hard. I don't like NFL free agency. This is more difficult. Yeah, it's more difficult than than conning young kids and deciding up to play for free, right? That, And then, since he embarrassed him so badly, right, so badly, that he had to go philander on his wife and gets caught doing it. At his own restaurant, right? Was it his his restaurant? Yeah, his own bar. Now, none, all of those things, when you look at them on their face, between that, the the crying about that, saying him at a press conference with microphones in front of him, yeah, I used vaccination status against my players when I made my cuts. That's not a thing you should admit to. If, if it, I, I'd give him more respect if it was something he said walking to his car and a reporter happened to catch it on mic. You said it in front of 15 microphones. You're an idiot. That is fi- That's fireable enough, he right? Sucks. But it took this giant report by CBS of all the dysfunction around this the, before Shad Khan finally stepped in and said, all right, let's clip this thing before I look like more of a clown. You know, though, and listen, I'll say the same thing about Gruden, too. They killed their rookie quarterback's development. I'll say this about when the NFL decides they're done with you, even if an owner doesn't decide they're done with you, the NFL will leak stories. They will do whatever it takes to ruin your reputation mm-hmm. in order to oust you from the league. So, by the way, I would expect you could follow suit the league to do the exact same thing to Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross. Oh, I'm They're sh- going to do that exact same thing. And listen, listen Roger Goodell is, is, is in his place making the money that he's making and, the, and, 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 and for as long as he's done it because he's able to, A, make more money than has ever been made by any single entity in the country. And B, he protects the owners. He protects the interests of the owners. And 31 other owners are going to look at Roger Goodell and say, oh, he's he's going to get Donald Sterling. Although... Did didn't shouldn't Daniel Snyder be on that boat already? Absolutely. They should have put him on a slow boat to China a long time ago. Yeah. So those those things are hilarious, and I'll just throw this in here recently because you got under his skin somehow. You actually got a little bit of uh, shine from this guy. Tom Brady's retirement saga, not not getting not mentioning Patriots fans and setting their fan base on fire. And apparently, nothing has been fucking funnier to me over the last month. Apparently, literally made Robert Kraft go off in a a temper tantrum, (laughs) swearing, cursing. Apparently, tears were were drawn. Yeah. Oh, 
Because Tom Brady thanked everybody in the Tampa Bay organization for everything they've like, done for his career. Like, literally, from the cafeteria guy Chris, down to the... And not one mention of New England. This idea that Tom Brady snubbed the entire New England fan base, their ownership, Good. the coaches... Did they not know that he left the organization two years ago and penned a letter then? He doesn't need to do it now. Yeah. He already did it. He already said thank How you. How many letters you go out and got to write? Also... Do you expect him to actually feel bad about any of this? He doesn't like you people. He never liked you people. He just played a game. Yeah, he's not a mass hole. He played a game. Where is he from? And he Where's did. Brady from? Is Brady from Michigan? He's from Cal- close. He's from California. California. Yeah, he's not. He's the opposite of a mass hole. And they asked him about playing for the San Francisco 49ers, and he said, "No, they burned that bridge when they brought me out for a tryout just to use me as an illustration of what they didn't want." He scorched earth. He's petty as fuck, and I appreciate that, like and I and I love the fact that it's taken a toll on the entire fan base yeah. in, in Massachusetts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So now we talk about the Buffalo Bills. We finally get there, folks. We, we, we dragged this out, but it's been fun. Only took 40 minutes. Yeah, right? Hey, listen. Tour de force podcast. Stretch, stretching out uh, content. Yeah, who, who knew? Couldn't, Couldn't not be me us. and Nate. That, that's why you guys bring me, because I get at least three podcast recordings <laughs> out of this every time I come. First of all, let's talk about the games themselves. For the Buffalo Bills this year, favorite home game. The wild card victory, I feel like, is a cop out. Let's not use that because it's low hanging fruit. Well, that's also the only game where you didn't criticize Dayball, so. Yeah. Because it was. A little tough, le- too. Because Fair. it was legitimately perfect. So, favorite. Home game of the season, Nate. I will go with the Carolina Panther game because I was there, and it's the first home game I've been to uh, since 2000 and... Because you usually have game 16? day... You have game you day went, responsibilities. No. Wait, well, you the went, last home Bills game that I was at before the Carolina game this year was the EJ Manuel to Stevie Johnson Carolina, Carolina game, game at home in wow. 2015 or 16 is that yeah it might have been i'm pretty sure you came and tailgated with us for that yes yeah. we <laughs> should we should preface that this is you not having wgr responsibilities correct i took off went as a fan went as a fan sat in the stands uh it was cold as shit um but i yeah. got i got i got rightfully shithoused and it was great it was just nice to Get out tailgating. Get drink, out there at seven thirty. Drink in the morning. That, that fans do. Uh, do do a couple of shots with my dad. Uh, my, so my dad, by the way, uh, his his whole setup for the first Patriots game went viral. So they have a uh, my my dad's best friend is a he has climbed like every 
peak in a, in the in the world mm-hmm. like a, like all the big ones um except for everest he's like that's that's like on, that's the last one on his list right so he has an everest tent that is meant for literally the the climb yep and it's like a eight person tent and it's windproof and like the the shape of it is like like flat sides and they're like diamond shaped almost like oh yeah weird. yeah yeah so it- he has one of those and they had a propane heater going on in there when i showed up to the tailgate they were inside with their in short sleeve shirts and jeans and i was like you guys do tailgating way better than i ever did when i was like 16 and 17 you know see chris like chris the monday the 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 wild card game there was one degree outside Mm -hmm. yeah that's we put on a show like that that's how we ended up with almost 45 people at our tailgate because we were the only ones with viable heat sure that's how you that's how what did you have uh, a couple tents, but you wrap them all. Then it's four different propane heaters all running simultaneously throughout various stages of it with food, with your grills in yep. one area where you can watch. We still, listen, we're, we're no slouches. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a dome? All right, anyways. But still, yeah. Chris. The, the Atlanta you, game. Your favorite game? You said don't count the wild card game, but I only went to two games. Hot Atlanta. The wild card game and the Atlanta game. I, I hate Atlanta, and I, it was fun to be there to tail. I didn't have to work. It was because it was on January second. I didn't have to work. Fun, fun time tailgating, and we beat I Atlanta. I had to work, so that was yeah. Great. We beat Atlanta, and I of any team that I hate outside of the AFC East, Atlanta's first on the list. Really, for me, it was that Jets game. It was that Jets game to end the season, if only because I got to be there with my dad. Hmm, my nice. dad came. He tailgated. He came into the stadium. He watched the game with us. He sat right behind us, and when it all ended. And it was like official that the Buffalo Bills had won the AFC East. Like, Chris, it was one of those podcasts we did the next day where I involuntarily just cried. And it made you super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. The last time I saw you cry was about Marcel Darius. <laughs> I did get a little choked up about that. I get a little emotional about the game of football. So it, it was an emotional thing for me. Hmm. In that moment, getting to share that with my father. The same way you got to go tailgate with your dad yeah, for the first awesome. time in forever. Yeah. I got to share that moment. And it made the whole season for me. Now, your most frustrating loss. And frustrating can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And that's why I'm curious to see what you thought. What was the loss that made you the angriest? So I want to say it was the Jacksonville game. I think it's a low-lying fruit. I'm going to say the Patriots game, the 14 to 10. Um, you know, let's not give you know Bill Belichick more credit than he deserves, uh, which may, <sighs> by the way, go down as one of the greatest Sean McDermott quotes of all time, <laughs> saying what every man in America has wanted to say for the better part of 20 years. Like, good for you, Sean. Um, but the reason was it was less about the performance that day, but it was just the narrative that I had to hear about how. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you um, take that, Moosehead. Uh, I'll, I'll drink one beer. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I think it was because of the narratives after that game um, and how the season was over and uh, the they were now AFC East champs and so on and so forth. And how would the rest of the season go? Yeah, how'd that work out for you? For me, the most frustrating loss was that Indianapolis game because it was a culmination of everything that could have gone wrong in my life. And we got our doors blown off. During the, not only did we get our doors blown off and got embarrassed at home, which I thought would never happen again after that 2017 season where New Orleans just ran down our throat, yeah. I thought I'd never sit through a game like that. And I did. 
And yet, in response, I did the same thing I did in that that game. I left at halftime. Unfortunately, my friends didn't join me. So I had to go back to the truck. And in doing so, I sat out there. I had one more beer. I'm already mad about the game. I then go to try to take a piss, and there's this giant pricker bush behind the back of my truck, and I got mad that it was blocking my way, so I kicked it, and it whipped my ass. Literally cut the back of my ear open, laid my finger open, it bled for three days. Like, this bush... Like, I could have had that thing sued for assault if this had happened on Chippewa. And... Wow. And then... One of my buddies invited his dickhead friend who couldn't keep his mouth shut and just kept needling me all day. And I was like, I don't know you, so I'm not going to fight you in front of my friend. But I'll consider it if you Now you're on. in my vehicle needling me, and I just want to kill you. I've had tickets for a decade, and I've never had a vehicular accident in any of these parking lots. Got into my first Fender game day Fender Bender. And I was like, this is the day. It's like it's it's almost like basketball, where they're like, wow, yes. it yeah. really is raining shit on uh, Drew Gear." That's it. That, that was, was the me. day for you. That was the day. Mine would have been Pittsburgh because we were leading at halftime. We had the special teams mishap. Like I really think that like that's a genuine gave that game away in the second half was type a of game. Hindsight, yeah. We was, that, the hindsight that Pittsburgh game was kind of like a, a sneak peek on what we were going to be dealing with uh, with the punter all year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why we to got be uh, honest. Yeah, that, and then that's why we got what is it the the Scottish hammer on the on the PS. Did we sign him to a futures? Who's that? The Scottish was it the Scottish Hammer? Remember? We, uh, yeah, I believe he's on a futures. Yep. So he, Matt Hawk's going to have some some comp this April. The most meaningful victory of the twenty twenty one season. Shy of the wild card game, <laughs> the second the second um, Patriots game. See, you're great minds. That's it. The second Patriots. Game. It has to be. Yeah. We go because we, it was a narrative changer. This idea that, well, they beat the Bills on Monday Night Football, they outcoached them, they outfoxed them, Josh Allen's not good enough, bop, 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 This starts to, Chris, we talked about it in the podcast that week in our recap show. We, I literally talked about how this game, the narrative around this game and the frustration that you saw, like what our quarterback exercised on that football field started two and a half weeks ago. It literally started the last time that we played the Patriots and all of the punditry that went on since then. Josh Allen took that frustration out on them in this game. Oh, certainly. The, be- the best they could do part about, about that game was, you know, towards the end where they got the, the touchdown drive where you need to get a touchdown to put it out and just, you know, knife to the neck. Right into the jugular. My favorite thing about that was this idea that everybody came to play, right? Everybody. Well, yeah. McKenzie steps up out of nowhere from obscurity on the roster, and you go, wait a minute. Beasley's out? Great. This is the game we need him for. We need the slot guy. Everything's going to suck. McKenzie goes out there and has a career game. Career game. Yeah, that that was probably the best part about that was sort of McKenzie spitting in the face of a lot of people that were. Yeah. It's probably most namely McDermott, but Spencer Brown shuts down prize free agent Matt Judon. Shuts him down to the point where he was getting chippy towards the end of the game. Just just taking cheap shots, just being pissy. Our defense takes their highly paid tight end group, relegates him to one catch for six yards. Just non factors. Mac Jones. He's as useful as a glass hammer in that game. He goes out there. I think he completed thirteen out of thirty something. Mm-hmm. They made him have to carry the carry the load. Yeah, it did not go well. 
No, <laughs> it no. Didn't. No, it didn't. And he shrugged, our quarterback, Josh Allen, shrugged off all these shitty narratives. That fourth and one play. That's it. Like that, that will resonate forever in my mind. This idea that on fourth and one, you get eight yards. And it's not like he made it easy. He split Jamie Collins and JC Jackson, two of their best defenders. Split them. Like it was a Three Stooges episode. And ran for another six yards. Because fuck you. I'm Cause, Josh Because that's why, yeah. Because I'm Josh Allen. Ugh. If we look at this team individually, first of all, best and worst plays of the year. To you, what was one of the worst plays of your of the entire season in your mind? I don't know why this play is sticking out to me. It's not a terrible play, but the first throw of the Houston game. Josh Allen throws that interception on the very first play. I do. I remember watching. They're rotating. They're rotating the safeties. And I go, they're literally gaming Josh right now, but he's smart enough. And then I just see him throw it and it's right to the linebacker, I think it was. And there's a couple, there's a couple of like Zach Moss plays where you're like, <laughs> Zach, see the hole! Dude, do you see the hole? Here, what's the upshot for Zach Moss going forward in this, in this team? I, I feel like he's on, it's on the outskirts. I feel like they could replace him with, whether it's off the street, whether it's in the draft, they have a number of avenues of bringing someone on the team who could replace what he brings. Because this season, he was almost a complete non-factor. What was the game, Chris, that you remember Zach Moss was great in? Uh, I think he was in college. No, listen. <laughs> I Listen, I will say this. After week two, after he came back into the lineup, weeks three through five... He was the number seven fantasy running back in the league. So he came back. If you remember, what was the first game? The first, not the Dolphins game. What game was it? It wasn't the, no, not the Jets, not the Patriots. What game was it early in the season where he went off? Chris, Google. Go go to Zach Moss, pro football reference. No, no, no. I like where he's going. Uh, You want to look at the uh, sketch. uh, I believe it would have been. Washington. Moss. No, it was the Kansas City game. Really, Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, if you if you go, because uh, I remember watching, uh, he caught a bunch of balls in that game. Um, let's see, what does he end up with in this game? Chris, you you've become our Jamie. I like. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, you got to go, go to box score. <laughs> yeah, I'm like J- Joe Rogan's version of Jamie. Yeah, Zach Moss had three for fifty five in that game, and then what did he do ru- rushing? Was he their second leader or their second leader rush behind Allen? Yeah, 11 for 37. So, like, you know, at times this year, Moss was okay. But it just, when it came down to it, he just could not. <sighs> he yeah. had a tough year. Yeah. He had a tough year. I mean, that's that's just simply put. Chris, my, the worst play, you have the audio. It's Josh Allen getting intercepted by Josh Allen. Bill's trying to pick it up. They can't. That is Andrew Catalan from CBS Sports. My, One of the worst my solution throws. to this. My solution to this: go trade for Josh Allen. We, uh, <laughs> I, I, the guy. I need Josh Allen on defense. Literally, my my whole thing was the reason I hated it is because you you committed this season to history now. Yeah, that play will forever be burned into the history books. It's a good one to the pick. first time yeah. a guy has ever picked off a guy with the same fucking name. Yeah. So that's gonna folklore. That, that, that's forever now. That doesn't go away. 
Second of all, it came at a point in the game where it underscored like we were overwhelmed by a shitty team. A shitty team had our number, and that was the final nail in the coffin. It sucks that we we lost to Urban Meyer. We lost to Urban Meyer, <laughs> and in the wake of it, we, we win part. that game. I make fun of Urban Meyer. Ma- we, 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 we aren't playing Kansas City in the division round. That's my point. Everything's different. There's a butterfly effect that happens because we lose it's that goddamn movie. football game. And one of the f- most frustrating things is like knowing, like I said to the guys from th- uh, Down by the Bank, the Jaguars podcast over on the Blue Air Network that we talk to all the time. We, I told them there's a difference between the Bills losing to Tampa and the Bills losing to the Jaguars. The, well, the thing was Tampa because everyone kept making in the aftermath of that game. You remember you were on the radio. Everyone kept saying, well, the you know, Tampa Bay lost to the Saints, and they still won the Super Bowl last year. Oh, blah, yeah, blah, that blah, was blah. absolutely the narrative. And right I here. said, listen, the difference is they saw them again in the playoffs, and the only place I'll ever see Urban Meyer again is in hell. Certainly I was not right. A, yeah, you I were was right. correct. You were right. So with that in mind, that game will forever go down as, a t- as one of the worst losses in franchise history. In franchise history. Especially considering how good of a team they were. And then to know that that play happened in that game. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. But there were also some great ones. Chris, Allen's touchdowns against Kansas City were incredible, specifically the ones to Gabe Davis. Just, you got it. Here they come, first and ten to the end zone. It's caught. Davis with the touchdown. Touchdowns with that one drive that was a quick one, and they go deep. They've got a man. It is Davis for his second touchdown of the night. Allen fires it into wide open. Remarkable touchdown. Buffalo Davis again. 19 and 17 seconds. Down the middle to the end zone. And there it is. Touchdown number four on the night for Davis. Jim Nance, CBS Sports. When you told me to get that audio... That is the first time I had like looked through the highlights, and it, it was that was a tough tough watch for me yeah, to, to, gra- to grab to grab that audio. Uh, it you know that like Gabe Davis's performance is unbelievable, unbelievable, and will be forgotten. That's on a national part. level. It's the worst part. One of the best playoff perform the best playoff performance by any wide receiver of all time, and it's relegated to history. That no one will talk about. Maybe ever. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the amazing performance in a Super Bowl loss. Like nobody remembers the yeah. guy that went for two hundred and four touchdowns and the, they're on the losing team. You know, each one of those touchdowns. I think the best one was the one that literally came on the first play of a drive, twenty hmm. five yard line. Hey, we get the ball. We're down. We're down. They scored a field goal and the kids scored a touchdown. Yeah, we're down two scores. We get it. First play, fuck you. Yard. Yard, Yard. assholes. Yard. And you have to look, if you're the Kansas City defensive coordinator, you just put your hands up and go, I, I, you look at Andy Reid and go, I don't know what you want. I tweeted out that video. I don't know what you want me to do. That throw is one of the most impressive throws I've ever seen. Like a 55-yard frozen rope. And that's tied with me, in my mind, with the Hyde interception. Oh, God. Jones had just 129 yards rushing this season. Jones, pump, rifle downfield. Intercepted. Sliding catch made by Hyde for the pick. Iron Eagle, 
CBS. Oh, look at one the of the best. Jinx, you guys owe each other a Coke. <laughs> I was just gonna. Yeah. Well, I was just no. gonna mention like I, I, yeah. I Eagle such. He's just he's a he's a pro's pro. True, it's the rock power. And Jinx, you owe me a Seagrams. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. As, so we're watching the game live, and Yulberg, Justin Yulberg, yep. is grabbing me by the jacket, shaking me, going, "Hyde came from the other hash to get that thing." Watching the replay. It's a ridiculous play that should have never I was, happened. I was in the broadcast booth. We were all like, we thought it was a touchdown. It was Everyone a, did. It was a, Mac Jones it was thought it was really a touchdown good, it when he really threw well it. Thrown it was ball. the best ball Mac Jones threw, threw all, day. all night. Sure touchdown pass. What did Murph say? Well, he was he was calling it as a touchdown. Ta-da, ta-da. Intercepted. Like, it was like <laughs> one of those. Like, where everyone was like, did, he, did Mike Hyde end up with that ball? Yeah, that was, an, that was an unbelievable play. Chris, the the noise in that place. Yeah, when that because that was that was in the opposite end zone from us. That was so far away from us. But we saw it, and we're like, "Oh no, Hyde's going to get there." You know, Hyde's going to get there. It's funny because I think my favorite play. I listen. I mean, th- those are great plays that you picked from, and there are a lot. Some of the more recent ones, but like I I I want to go back to the second Patriots matchup, that fourth down play that Josh. Side skirts that player uh, was it was it Van Noy or somebody that they saw J C Jackson I think J C Jackson uh, splits J C Jackson and another and player and Jamie gets the Collins. first down and that will to me just sort of person it sort of personified the run that the Bills were then going to go on because it was all on the back of Josh Allen. That's you know what you have a great point because it was it was hey fourth and one we have a play drawn up the play failed fuck it run right and when he runs on a broken play. These two defenders have him dead to rights three yards behind the line of scrimmage. But it's like the Kyle Van Noy last year. I don't care how big you are. You don't want it as badly as that guy yeah, right. And he's and more that's ath- just the way it goes. And he's a better athlete than you. Sorry. You just don't get it. <laughs> you just don't get to stop him. No, you don't. Ugh. So when we talk about individual players and their, con- their contributions to the team this year, who was your favorite free agent acquisition? Favorite free agent acquisition? Hmm. Well, it wasn't that many of them. Um, no. Man, off the top of my head, yeah, I like. I, I'm kind of just like veering towards Matt Breida. Who barely played. Barely played. <laughs> like I, like obviously, I, 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 people would point to Emmanuel Sanders, but nah, nah. he was fine. Early on, he was good, and, and then, then he tapered off. Because he's um, old. I, I wish that they could have found a way to trust Brita more and put him in better s- situations. Because with the more athletic offensive line, yeah, yeah, he oh, probably yeah, yeah. could have done some real damage. Yeah. But listen, there's a reason he hasn't played yes. in the last two stops in Miami and Buffalo. It just he he can't he can't he's he's a liability in pass blocking and For me it was FA Obata. I hmm. thought I thought okay. at the in training camp, I figured that his skill set was redundant next to Rousseau's and that one of them would make the roster, probably Rousseau, because <laughs> he was the first-round draft pick, and that Obata was just there as insurance in case something happened and he could still fill the role that he did. Instead, they kept all nine defensive linemen, and I was a little surprised by that. He comes out and puts up three and a half sacks, 11 pressures, and eight quarterback hits, and we paid $1.5 million for it. When you think about what the Patriots got out of Jonu Smith, Chris, your joke? Oh, my God, it's a good one. It's a good one because time plus tragedy equals comedy. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we had a 
I, I've never said it on air, which I'm going to do right now, but it was somebody, I think it was Greg. We had Greg Thompson on mm-hmm. after the Saints game, and he was, we were kind of getting ready for the, you know, the Monday night game against the Patriots, and he, he brought up Johnu Smith, and I told him off air after we had recorded I was like, I can't believe you had the audacity to bring up Johnu Smith on our podcast today, because Johnu Smith, he has been missing from the Patriots offense longer than Gabby Petito. <laughs> This is this is our brand. I love I love the I love the conflicted look on Nate's face. This is what we do here. I'm never to be found, by the way. N- never to be found. Never. To Listen, be found. hey, hey, glass up. Cheers. <laughs> Pour one out. So to Gabby. So. This guy at $1.5 million is a godsend with three and a half sacks and also filling just some, I don't know, departmental responsibilities that sometimes he was asked to be a starter. Mm-hmm. The Carolina game. Yeah. He had a monster he game did. when he was called upon to be a starter. That to me is the mark of a great free agent signing. I love it. Who was the guy whose existence on this roster you questioned the most? Zach Moss. I mean, see, I'll start it. See, Zach Vernon Moss. Butler. But no, 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 no. But that's it. Bah, bah, bah. Zach Moss. You just said you just sang his praises for a short period. Yeah, very good. short period. But then there was Vernon Butler was never valuable. No, not one. This asshole sat on our roster. We paid him seven million dollars worth of cap space this year. A lot of it was avoidable. We could have gotten rid of him for almost nothing. And instead, we kept him around. And what yeah. did we get for this renegotiated contract? He played 26% of the defensive snaps, 5% of the special team snaps, one start, 11 tackles, one quarterback hit. We paid him $636,000 per tackle. Fuck that guy. I want him gone. A pox on him in his house. Chris, is there a player who you looked at this year and you're like, why is this guy here? Uh, Not necessarily a player, but... uh, uh, far as content creators, you fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? That's a good one. Here, cheers. Well, cheers to that. 20%. We'll hear that. Jeez. We'll hear that. Most improved player from twenty twenty one. It's Ed Oliver. It's not close. Oh, okay. Close. All right, you went at Oliver. I went to Austin Knox. Okay, I mean that's that's close. That's close. He goes on. It's not close. All right, that's, <laughs> that's close. close. Ed Oliver was probably their best player. Though, Ed Oliver really was. I, but to me, Ed Oliver's resurgence started around o- late October. Yeah, no, that's right. He he struggled through the early portions of the year. He got taken advantage of in a couple of the, the, that the the Colts game. They really yes. They used his aggressiveness against him, yes. and they put him in some terrible positions on a lot of the pin and pull and a lot of the. Uh, yeah. The trap counters, like yeah, he got they knew he got they really could game he him. got twisted up like a pretzel. They knew that they could game at Oliver. The thing I loved about Dawson Knox's game was that he was the perm. Like, is it the perm from? Well, yeah. The, the, listen, yeah. listen. Anytime you get a perm, all right, you're already moving up my. You're list. my guy. That might be natural. I don't know. Just let your soul glow, so silky, silky smooth. He needs a soul glow. That thing. Come on now. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about that? We are coming to a close here. On, uh, yeah, we're, we're wrapping this thing, but here's what I'll say. God. Dawson Knox. Can't be singing on here like that. I can do whatever I no, want. No, I know. It's your show, but. <laughs> so, Dawson Knox. You're even uglier when you sing. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like imagine how how could how could this guy get any uglier? Oh, just like watch him sing. Yeah, Nate, you're in tight with John Mayer. Does he need a backup? And his wife's singer? like, you should see him in the bathtub. <laughs> so Dawson Knox comes out, and everyone goes, "This is the, the this guy." We need. Can you ever imagine that we were talking about trading for uh, Zach Ertz? Yeah, I do remember. We were going to give away a... Fans wanted to give away a second-round pick for Zach Ertz. Yeah, well, fans are... That's why fans... Fans are dumb. That's why fans are fans. Dawson Knox turned in one of the best tight end seasons of the entire year. Of any tight end. Yeah. He was leading and scoring for a sizable portion of the year. It's just... He raised his game, and he raised his familiarity with Josh Allen. Everything got better. Mm-hmm. His inclusion in the offense became complete because he was doing all the little things. He was running the right routes. He was dependable. Josh trusted him not to drop the ball anymore. And he still had some bad games. I mean, that, that first, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Monday night game mm-hmm. in New England. He was, sh- he, <laughs> I, used to, I used to joke that he's a transformer. But he doesn't turn into anything cool like a rocket ship or a car. Way, his, hands, his hands just turn into frying pans. His, and his highs were way higher than at any point last year, and his lows were way higher. Thank you. You know? The, that's the best way to describe the, it, I think. The, the throwaway, the, the pass that Josh Allen didn't think was a touchdown to yeah. start the wild card game. That was just He threw it away. He legitimately threw that ball away, and Knox was in the back I think of the he end zone and said, I think, I think he did that on purpose, but... To hear him talk about it, he was like, I thought I was going to have to go back out there, and then I saw the kicker running out. I was like, well, no, it's a touchdown. We're getting out of here. He's, to me, the most improved. Biggest regression, is Cody Ford the guy? He almost has to be, right? Biggest no, regression of 2021. No, no. Who do you got? I mean, because I look at Cody Ford... You started the season. You started your career at right tackle. Then you got kicked to right guard. You started at right guard, and you ended up left bench because you suck at the game of football. Biggest regression would be Daryl Williams' right tackle. All right, that's fair. That is fair. Either that or Starla Tulale. All right. Well, he's old too. And look at there's a common theme here. One of them just is a guy who isn't good. I mean, yeah. I mean, Cody Ford finished in the bottom of all guard statistics everywhere. He was the lowest graded run blocker on the offensive line. I actually like some of the things he was Singletary was graded as a higher run blocker than Ford. <laughs> um, I, I, you can't reconcile that. I liked, I liked what I saw from Cody Ford in his last six quarters of football. Cody Ford. I, you, you know when I saw Cody Ford? I was paying off my stake bet with Greg Thompson and Aaron uh, Quinn. I had to pay off my lobster that to yeah you do. yeah you do so i was paying mine off the chop house and aaron quinn was belly aching the entire day about how Check i don't it. have nice clothes i don't have a suit i don't know what to wear to this thing and he was like i'm gonna seinfeld it just sneakers but nice jeans and a suit coat and i was like yeah that'll work and a t-shirt you don't have to be dressed i mean the chop house they have standards you just have to look presentable right if they let you in like you could get in there with anything so while we're sitting there cody ford walks by Oh God! Wearing like, I wonder if he's ever heard gray of sweatpants and a giant red T-shirt like wow. he's the Kool Aid Man. Well, wow. he's a and, professional athlete. And Aaron goes, "What the hell? Why, why does he get to walk?" And I go, "Because they can't say no to his money." That's right. They, they can w- say no to your money, and they will probably. And they too. will <laughs> because they get off on it because they can't say no to that guy. 
They take it out on guys like us. He's also 6'6", <laughs> and you are 5'6", Aaron. So obviously that guy's gone. Yeah. Or he's Well, no, I don't think he'll be gone. Camp body, at best. They'll put him in competition. He'll be backup, swing guard, fodder, correct? Right? Maybe. Maybe. I, it depends what they do with Ike Botker. But I think Cody Ford will be back because... He knows the system, and you've, you you trade it up for him. You're going to see that contract through, I think. I don't think you're going to cut him. Who's the player you wish you saw more of? Isaiah McKenzie. Really? Yeah. Way more. Why? Because I think he's... I think when they integrated him into the offense, that offense was different. It True. just had a different pace to it. True. They, they created yards after catch. Um, he's a mismatch. And I like what he does pre-snap. Like, I, I like his motions. Last year, to, he led the NFL in percentage yeah. of snaps brought on motion. And it helped Josh. It helped Josh ID the defense. He's like, oh, if he motions and that guy moves, okay, it's man. All right, well, now I'm going to change my call. All of that's important, right? I said Gabe Davis. Because I would agree that with that based on the divisional round game. Well, I'd say it based on everything. I mean, when you look mm. at Sanders being added to the team, Davis took a back seat early on. You go through the what early and middle portion of the season, he had two touchdowns, six games of three or fewer targets, and just one game against the Jets with more than 48 yards. He was basically a red zone target, yeah, and they didn't bring him out unless they were inside the twenty. And he he proved, I think, in the you know, like he's probably their best deep threat in the, <laughs> in the divisional game. You know, dude, that knee injury happens to Sanders, right? Davis yeah. gets brought in going into week thirteen. This is crazy statistically when you look at it on paper because here's a guy who you heard what I just read off to you through the last six games of the season. He saw more than 70% of the snaps. Yep. 449 receiving yards, eight touchdowns, double-digit yards before the catch, 25 first downs. And what, what, what week was that past? That was the season. That, that, that was after week 13. 13. After week 13? Yeah, he was on my fantasy bench, but... He only had 14 first downs through the first 13 weeks of football. 25 in the last six, because they finally featured him in the offense. I don't know what this team can be with it. Like, like, what is he? Is he just a star that's budding that you actually have to give more? Because we see it. There's mm-hmm. some wide receivers like Isaiah McKenzie who are situationally... They're situational winners. Yep. Hey, if you put me in a good spot, you can use me in a game like when I'm going up against a bad slot corner in New England. You can lean on me and I right. can win you that game. Or are you a player like this guy who, hey, if you just give me targets deep, I can make you look good. Right. And he did that over the back half of the season. For sure. I wish during some of those earlier losses they had incorporated Gabe Davis more. I think part of the Gabe Davis thing was that they didn't they weren't sure if he was ready to take that role full time. He he here's the thing. What they had hoped happened, what did, which is he took it. You know, I mean, it took him a little while, but he took it. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, 
That's why you bring a you bring a veteran like Emmanuel Sanders in, and you make Gabriel Davis take that job from the veteran, and he he ended up doing it. Who's your rookie of the year? Um, rookie of the year. Mine's Spencer Brown. I'm just going to start with that. Probably got to be. I mean, people love Rousseau, but Rousseau kind of was up and down. He started a little bit high. It's got to be Spencer Brown because I think first of all, he's just super cool. Well, he's, he's a cool the, dude. He's the only rookie who was transformative. Yeah, he's the only guy who stepped onto the field and changed the face of the unit he plays on. Yeah, I think Spencer Brown had a draft value score of seventy-five. It's draft value score, <laughs> Jesus Christ! You, you ever bring that up again? I'll set you on fire. Listen, next time you next time you say that, I'm gonna I'm gonna bleach your whole head. <laughs> <laughs> not not just your frosted tips. Maybe there, I'm gonna Bass. hold you down and just shave that thing. Please. Nah, no, nah, I just don't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to his girlfriend. I'm getting my uh, haircut on Friday. Mohawks, Mohawks ending on Friday for you. Everything is for Everything you. Everything is here. Yeah, his ability to play right tackle and his mm-hmm. natural length, athleticism, everything he brought changed the shape of our offensive line early on in the season. What was it like week four? He was playing against yeah, Houston early in his first start. Yeah. When you look back then, you were like, hey, he looks the part. Then though. he moved to left, moved back to right, moved back yeah. to left, moved back to right. I give him a lot of credit for that. And at the same time, he's an athlete. Mm-hmm. You see it. He's out in space. Oh, yeah. He's blocking downfield. He's on combo blocks with Deion Dawkins, and the two of them are just destroying people at the second level. Yeah, yeah. He has the athleticism you need. He's got the size, and there's a sandpaper there. There's a nastiness to his game. He does. He's got, he's got the Feliciano mean streak, except he's... Better, except he's good. (laughs) That's the best way to put it. I I guess the only other thing I can end with here is the the three favorite Josh Allen plays. Okay. Okay. What are your three? If you could think of three plays. We have our rookie of the year. We have our player we wish we saw more of. We know Josh is the MVP of the team, so that's a foregone conclusion. What were your three favorite plays? There's one play. One or two. If there's one play that stands out all season for me is from the New England game at New England. It was one of those crossing routes, and he hit just Gabe Davis. Nate, Nate's Nate's I nodding. I know the I know play. I don't. I don't know how else know to describe it. it, but that is. I know of it. Only him and Mahomes might be able to make that throw. So. I'm going to nominate the two-point conversion in the divisional game. Okay. Where Allen's running, running, hits Diggs. Diggs makes that unbelievable catch in the back of the end zone. That was stupid good. Yes. Um, I want to nominate... Um, I think... Oh, it's, it's so tough because I'm just going to keep going back to the, the last two minutes of that divisional game because yeah. so many fucking good throws from that. Um, Dude, he was on fire. He was a man on fire. It was literally that movie. Yeah, it's, it's that game. He was a man with revenge on his mind, wasn't going to be deterred. I don't care if I die at the helm of this thing. I'm going to win. And he did. Yeah. He won the game. So I would say the two-point conversions, number three. Number two... Number two will be the wild card uh, throwaway to Dawson Knox. <laughs> Number one will be the Gabe, Daver, Gabe Davis over the top, 75-yard piss missile, 55-yard frozen rope. Dude, when that play Sorry, ha- sorry to do so recent, but like that's, no, no. those are... When that play happened, I was sitting in Mark's house. 
I was just bitching up a storm about how our offense is fucking stagnant. Conservative. Everything yeah, sucks. Yeah, yeah. Fire Dable. We Fire came Dable. out at halftime and Brian Dable fucking saying How about the us. report going into the wildcard game? How big was your Woody when you heard Jason Lock and Fora say, no, no, it wasn't even Lock and Fora. It was Mike Florio, Pro, Pro Football Talk reporter, right before kickoff. Well, you know, if, uh, if, if things don't go well today and the Bills lose against the Patriots, that Dable could be out. They, they could fire Dable. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was on my mind. So I'm, I'm thinking back to this coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the way the third quarter is going. And I'm going, we're, we're fucking giving it to him yeah. now. Because our offense is being, we're playing to not our strengths. They're playing we, not to lose. We, you again. literally got conservative in a moment where you can't afford to. Yeah. And then that play happens. And by the way, and it definitely was not that the defense that is not designed to go to that. To, Chris, to you that watched player. that. I got pelted. I got pelted by everyone in the room with what? Uh, little Debbie snake cacks, snake snack cakes. Yep. Jesus snake Christ. Cacks. Yeah. Snake, snake cacks. Little Debbie cacks. Hostess. Uh, what? Ho hos. Sna- snake yeah. cacks. Circu- Ho hos and uh, circus peanuts. Circus peanuts and snake somebody. Cacks. Somebody actually threw. A bag of uh, what are they called? The uh, the oatmeal cream pies. Oh yeah, oh, little, Debbie. little Debbie. Those cream pies are. Yeah, I got hit with like four of those okay. within a thirty second span. Everyone in the room was sick of my negative bullshit, and when that play happened, everyone turned to me and they just Launched. revolted. Everything they had in arm's reach came my way. I remember that play. I'll remember it for the rest of my life. To me. We've said a lot of these things. The Knox throwaway touchdown was yep. great. Josh Allen's pass in that Jets game with a linebacker draped over his shoulders like a fucking cape. Yeah, that was sweet. That's something that I'll sweet. never forget because I was there live, watched it happen. That was definitely sweet. I still think one of my favorites from this season, because he's done it every year he's been our quarterback, is on that must-have drive against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. This is the drive to win the game. You can't punt here. He jumps over Legereus Sneed. Yes. On multiple occasions. Now they come. Here goes Allen. He's going to take over. He hurdles and picks up the first down. Whoa. Over Legereus Sneed he goes for a first down. That is Al Michaels from NBC Sports. Chris, they talked about it afterwards, and Chris Collins had to be like, this is the play. Collinsworth. Collinsworth. Chris Collins, Chris Collinsworth. It doesn't matter. He's not. Just like Chris Collins, he ain't going to be around that much longer. Uh, uh, <laughs> so it's one of those things where he talked about it in the aftermath. This is the play that when you look back at your season highlight reel, that's the play. That's the play from that game. That you all look at and go, that's the moment we won the game and demoralized our opponent. It was that right there. He won that Sunday night football game in that moment right there. It was incredible. We've had a long season. You've done a lot of podcasting. You've done a lot of broadcasting. What was your favorite moment in either podcasting or broadcasting? Hmm. Uh, so this year we, uh, we had Luke Russert on, uh, food for thought. That was really cool. Um, first of all, Luke is probably like one of the all time coolest dudes I've ever met. Um, he has traveled. Who got credit for that, for that booking? Is it you or you or Bruce? That was me. You? That was me. I do all the booking. Yeah. Oh, look at you. 
Uh, Bruce does a lot of the back, uh, a lot of the producing and a lot of the backdoor stuff. That's I why do, me and him are like this. I do the uh, the advertising and I do the um, and the in the guest booking. See, so um, you understand my pain, like. You have to go yeah, out there. Yeah, being and get the beauty it. and the talent. Yeah, dude, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I get, get it. it. I get it. And listen, I am the face no of doubt. the rock power. Report. No doubt. <laughs> you got a face like rocks, no doubt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but what, what were we saying? Luke Russer was your Oh, yeah, yeah, Luke Russer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he just was the stories that guy has, um, the experiences he has in Buffalo. And um, he that was probably the highlight of, was having him on. I mean, no, that was. That was awesome. And then earlier last year, I had Mina Kimes on uh, Sports Talk Saturday. That was that was also pretty cool. She's um, I'm a big big fan of Mina. So I think she she does pretty unbelievable work. So yeah, those those are kind of my highlights this year. It was, it was a good year um, overall. You know, obviously starting Food for Thought this year was fun with Bruce, and I'm kind of excited about how that's going to evolve over the next couple of months and um, into the off season and. Um, you know, listen. I, like I mean, that you guys are going to keep doing it. Yeah, no, we're we're going to no, do no, a weekly live podcast every day or nothing every every week. Nothing bothers me more than the guys who quit at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to take like a three or four month break. We're not going to do that. We're going to go right through. Um, we are going to. Um, so what we do in our podcast, if you've never listened, is we we like to we like to combine food and football together. So you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll compare Bills Chiefs to a food. You're right, like, and and that's like our first topic is you, is we have to come up with and usually the appetizer. We, have, we usually have such a complex like recipe or something, and we'll compare pieces of the recipe to pieces of the game in the like it's it's. We also have a lot of inside jokes on the show. It's 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 a very fun light podcast, but we do, um, you know, we we do talk a lot of good football too. So it's fun. It was fun to do. I'm glad Bruce approached me with it. Chris, your favorite. Well, I thought Nate Gary would have said coming here for the first time to be in this new studio space that we have. I thought that would have been no, at the top no. of his no, top listen, of his list. Listen, they, 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 this studio space is pretty great. It'll yeah. get better. Yeah, I'm moving in with my girlfriend, so oh, we'll have a pool hall. In yeah, the back. we'll literally have a. She green does have room. a pool table. We'll have a giant green room. I told him off air before we started recording that we're going to have an opportunity to do some crazy shit down there. It's going to be great. Chris, I think that for me, my favorite thing of this year that we did on this podcast was actually yours. You hate celebrating me when I do well or notifying. No, acknowledging you. Acknowledging yeah. things that I do well. Yeah, like so like uh, for tailgating this year, Iman Q42 uh-huh. has been a part of the tailgate experience for us. So Drew's already a good griller for Grills Mafia. Sure. So now that he's hanging around other, Iman, other elite who grillers, is way way I've better. Way so better. Much. Yeah. I've learned so yeah. much. Yeah. So I hate the fact that he got better at that. See, because he learned, he's it's not, learning. It's not a congratulations. It's I, I don't want to watch you succeed at all. So yes. yeah. my thing is, out of this entire season, all the things that we got to do on this podcast this year, one of my favorite things was the intro Chris made to the pettiest podcast we've ever done, where we dunked all over the New England media. Chris made this masterpiece to open up that podcast. The weakness is the quarterback in that really they rely on him so much. I want to introduce you to the perfect passer. That's right. I am the perfect passer. I understand you're the perfect tight end. What's your favorite route? That would be the tight end option route. You know the one. Got it. 
set. Allen looking, waits, the patience. Allen turns the corner and he will touch it. Back in the end zone. Touchdown. Catch made. It is Dawson Knox. And the Bills strike first on an excuse me touchdown from Josh Allen. Saturday night, I believe the Patriots will win this football game. Wow! And it's going to be because of Mac Jones what? leading them in a late comeback in the sense of they have to win with him throwing the football. First and ten. Josh Allen, I just feel like he wants to make a mistake. Your head coach gets a little tight because he's playing Bill Belichick, and your players get a little tight because it's negative five outs, and Josh Allen makes a couple mistakes. I think the Patriots can make sure that they capitalize on those mistakes. Second down and six. Touchdown, Gabriel Davis. A Buffalo barrage. I, I just don't believe in Josh Allen being able to put up two big games back-to-back against the Patriots like he did. Take it. Allen. Flips it for the touchdown. It's a big man touchdown for Tommy Doyle. Chris, you outdid yourself. This that was the show where we really just kind of poured it on to some to, to an area of the media that we already hate. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was some of your finest work, and I'm just glad I could be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally, that uh, is one of my favorites because I did I do use a a, ref, a wrestling reference in that. But the thing that I did with Kyle Williams. And chariots of fire might be my favorite piece of audio that chariots I put together. Of fire, yeah. He, he Chris is Chris is a wizard at this. No, I I agree. So, Nate, thank you for joining us yeah, here. Of in course, studio. man. I love doing this. I love. It. Plus, I, I love, get some free moose heads out of it. Well, you yeah. get you get some free boo hooch out of this. We all get a quick buzz. We all get to talk a little football. You do know what's coming up around the corner in a couple of weeks, Nate. We are twelve shows away from four hundred. And the 400th episode, we are unleashing the audio of that I have, the handful of audio that I have where Drew called in to GR years ago. Yeah. Before the podcast. He used to he used to chart all my call-ins. Yeah. And re- he would go back and find them in the WGR archives. Are in the archives? Yeah. He would court. He would text me and was like, oh, I was just on GR. And so I would go find it and just You're like, I'll I'll need this for in our yeah. in, when we're adults later oh, in life and Drew has kids. And now I'm gonna have to defend this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I have that's good. I think it's I have, not gonna go. That's good. I think I have two or three phone calls of Drew calling into WGR before we had this podcast. So when oh we get to God. our four hundred Those episode, are the unmitigated takes. Yes. Four hundred four hundredth episode, we will play those. Drew on WGR. Nate, where can people find you on social? And what do you have coming up on the horizon for podcasting and on the radio? So, uh, yeah, you can find me at Nate Geary Sports. Now I'm back uh, just on my normal Saturday grind. I'll be taking a, a week off next week. I'm going to go down to Miami, enjoy some R&R. It was a long year. It was a long season of uh, working seven days a week. And it's just it's a lot. Um, 
And uh, so I'll be I'll be back on Saturdays, uh, eleven to two, like uh, like I normally do. And I, I got some great guests lined up for um, you know heading into the draft time, and then food for thought. I also have a couple of really good guests lined up um, over the next couple of months. Uh, so I'm really excited about that as well. And uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 going to be where over the next couple of months you could find me, other than the golf course, which as soon as the snow melts, I'll be out. Well, I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's St. Gary. And this has been your 2021 recap. I'll see you all in hell. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.